Hello, and welcome back to Always Acting Up. This is the podcast where I share all of my personal stories and journeys as an actress in the entertainment industry. This episode, I'm super, super excited. I have a very special guest, actor, and president of SAG-AFTRA in New Mexico. So we're going to chat with him in just a second, but I do want to give a shout out to you guys who've been supporting me, subscribing to my channel, letting me know what you think, all your feedback. It is amazing and it means the world to me. And of course, this all couldn't be possible without my producer, Hazani Johnson. And if you guys are watching on the YouTube video, I would like you to take a moment to admire my new setup here. We're still working on it. It's a work in progress, but we're very excited for that. Okay. And here, um, I want to welcome my special guest. We have, I said, uh, make sure I'm saying everything correctly. It is the, you, you are an actor and also the local SAG after president in New Mexico. We have Mark Comstock. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is great. Woohoo! Who doesn't so, like a little applause? I know. We can just have one of those every single day walking around with us, giving us a little boost of energy. Given the world today, I think we could all use it. Little little boost, little uh, little pep in the step if we're actually going anywhere. Because I know I'm not going anywhere for. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not. I'm just at home all the time. Good for you. I don't you. know about you. Good for yeah. You know, it's it's it is what it is. But you know, that's how we're gonna get through this. So good for you. Yeah. And um, I'm definitely going to get back into it. Um, I want to know um, sort of down the line in our podcast. I want to hear about what's going on with COVID and in Albuquerque. But first, I'm excited to talk to you because I briefly met you. I was in um, Albuquerque doing a um, workshop with Catherine Brink, mm -hmm. and you came at the end of the workshop, and I had to jet. <laughs> I had like 30 minutes to get to the airport, and I was like, oh my God, I want to hear what he has to say. Like, this is like the perfect person to like talk to and answer all my questions. And I was like, I got to go. I got to go. So, well, if it makes you feel any better, sometimes <laughs> when I walk into a room, a lot of people leave anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, and you handed out a really cool pen too. It was like a pen with like a highlighter attached oh, to it yeah, too. Yeah. So I was like, "That's sag after swag is always fun." Yeah, the pens that we have are great. You get a ink pen on one side and a highlighter on the other, right? Sign your contract with one and highlight your lines with the other. Yeah, it's brilliant. So you don't have to walk around with pens, pencils, highlighters. I got staplers in my bag. I have a scissor in my bag. I have a whole kit. So when I'm like out and about, I have everything. Well, gee, that's your headshot kit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so. I need to hear a little bit about you. So you talked about headshots. So you have a little bit of an acting background as well, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, um, my parents met doing theater in college. And so, and then when I was growing up, they had a little community theater in our church. Um, so I've always been around it mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of involved with that. And I was probably seven or eight when I first did my first little, you know, one line in the in the church Christmas play, but hey, it's all it takes sometimes. Yeah, I always wonder. I feel like sometimes like being in the family business, either you're going to go into it because you're always around it or you're like, I'm so sick of this. I need to get as far away as possible. Yeah, and I was really lucky that my parents exposed me to it and encouraged it, And they, but they have uh, had real jobs. 
and oh. you know the, the day jobs that was like a really fun hobby but mm. they were so inclusive in letting me see arts and being creative and and when i decided i want to go down this path they were very supportive of it um so it, it worked out really well but it, you know also made me very aware that i should have a survival job too. yeah that's one of those things i talk about often making money survival jobs you know those sort of things we have you have the day job to pursue the dream job. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, just one of those things. And so where's home for you? Cause I was doing my research and I was like, okay, I know you're in Albuquerque right now, but it looked like yeah. you, I, gosh, I sound like a stalker. It looks like you grew up in Colorado <laughs> and then maybe you were in Washington for a little bit and then you were in LA. So where's home for you? Uh, you know, that's really your, your uh, research team is top notch. Um, yeah, uh, hit the applause, right? Um, okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, here's, here's a, this will be in for your Mark Comstock trivia. So okay. mom, if you're listening, um, so my dad actually was doing his master's in math here at UNM. Um, mm. and I lived here for about a year. Uh, and, uh, ironically, uh, I'm older than my wife, but we went to the same nursery school here in Albuquerque. Wow. Um, but I grew up in Denver uh, from okay. the time I was five. I moved to upstate New York for a little bit, kind of pursuing the theater thing. And then uh, moved to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I was there for 12 years, I want to say. And that's where I got my union carts there wow and i had just gone union and was working and um then 9 11 happened oh. and all the work that was in seattle went up to vancouver uh canada so uh i was uh just kind of at a crossroads where i'm like well what do i, what do I want to do and i was like everyone wants to say hey you know it could have been a contender and i thought well this is just a window to give it a shot and regardless of what happens so packed up and moved to Los Angeles and mm -hmm. I was there for nine years. And then my wife got into nursing school uh, here in New Mexico. So we moved back. Mm -hmm. uh, her parents are here and my parents are still in Denver. So it was a great compromise. And this was right when it's like right there. Yeah. And then this is right when the New Mexico uh, film incentives were starting to kind of take hold and take off. And, um, you know, there was a few productions here in Plain Sight and Breaking Bad and all those things, early stuff. Uh, but it wasn't nearly what we're, where we were at now and where we are going. Mm -hmm. um, you just made, like, I have so many questions going on right now. First, like, I'm like, oh, okay, so you went to upstate New York. Did you ever go down to, I mean, like, when you were living in upstate and you were doing theater, I guess, or whatever there, did you ever go uh, travel back and forth down to the city for auditions? Uh, no, no. Um, it was, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a slight tragedy. Uh, I had gotten a job with a local theater company uh, and uh, my wife at the time, yes, I'm divorced, uh, was teaching there and I'd gotten a job there and I showed up the first day and the theater had lost its funding and there was no job. <gasps> no. So then, I, yeah. So I was immediately diving into retail and Kinko's and the Gap and, that, you know, all those things. So I was working three part-time jobs and, was not loving it. Um, and being up in um, Troy, New York, mm. it wasn't like I had access to get an agent easily or quickly. And I was still kind of green and didn't know those things. And my wife got a job in Seattle, Washington, and I had friends there 
and I, my parents had been there and knew they had a thriving theater scene and some film. So I moved there and I kind of got into the theater scene there. And that was kind of a saving, okay. saving grace. I was curious about Seattle because, and I don't know if it's still like this, but I always heard that Seattle had a really huge, uh, huge arts community. And, uh, I guess that would probably be what that was. Yeah. Cause I did. I went to, I went to Seattle last year and there was a ton of theaters there. Murder mystery theaters, a whole bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a, just a huge mix of of uh, theater, both fringe theater and equity theater. Um, but you know, when you have big players like you know Amazon and Microsoft and a lot of tech, there's there tends to be more money and funding for the arts, and the citizens um, then take advantage of it. But the fine arts are great there. A lot of great. I mean, music. I mean, look at all the you know Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all uh, those. Macklemore's from uh, Washington up there too. Yes, d- d- different generations. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I'm fascinated. I, I'm so old. I used to go to the Denver Broncos Seahawks games when the Seahawks were still in the Broncos division. So you know. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, but I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, it was, but it's a great, it's a great creative community, um, and people I knew there 20 years ago are still doing it. So. That's what I that's what I tell people like you don't have to just go to New York or, or LA. Every single like state has a market for um, you know, car dealerships, restaurants. Like there's work pretty much everywhere. And I'm curious, I don't know if this is something that you would know, but you mentioned 9/11 and then everything going up to Vancouver, and I would have never thought, but is that what sort of made the industry go up to Vancouver for works? It's called like the Hollywood of the North. Yeah, I mean, it was a combination of that. And it was a combination of they, again, they had great incentives. Um, they they were a big city that could pass for New York, but be a third of the price. Yes. So- you know what? You just reminded me. Yes, because I went on a tour. Uh, they have a really, they have a lot of cool tours in Seattle. And uh, gosh, I wish I knew the name. It was like some architect is the same architect in New York. So that's why, yes, it looks like uh, it has a similar sort of feeling to New York. Yeah. So you, you know, the, the cost, uh, was really beneficial mm. and, um, it, it was just one of those things where again, content needed to be created and that was just kind of the quickest place to get up and running. And then some folks just kind of stayed. And this is before a lot of our States kind of got wise to the whole idea of incentives. Mm. You know, it was like New York, LA, and Chicago. Yeah. Maybe Dallas, right? That was just kind of like it. And then as um, like Seattle, when Sleepless in Seattle came out, that kind of revitalized the film scene for a little while there uh, and had things going. And then you had like even like Microsoft mm. when they were there. I did a ton of industrials for them because wow. they're always rolling out new products and they want their employees to be enthused about it and all those things. And hey, this is the you know Windows 99 and yada, yada, yada. So those jobs are just because they were just churning out content for their staff did you ever do a starbucks commercial (laughs) sorry uh no because back in the day star and star they didn't do commercials uh wait but i did did book a national do they do commercials now yeah they do they do don't they yeah they sometimes do around holidays and stuff or they've got some new promos okay um but yeah i know i did my uh national commercial when i was in seattle but the big thing there was commercials that were local was the lottery the Washington State Lottery commercials were big. Okay. Wow, that's so interesting. I feel like we can have a whole conversation on Seattle because I'm like, gosh, I got so many questions now just being up in that area. And 
I don't know, but I would actually Seattle's expensive too. Cause I was going to say the cost of living is probably nice, but, um, I think I recall hearing that Seattle's pretty <laughs> yeah, it is, pricey. It is pretty, uh, it is pretty pricey. I mean, I'd say it's comparable to San Francisco or Los Angeles. Hmm. Um, you know, the one bedroom I had 20 years ago that went for 900 then is going for almost 3,900 now. Wow. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, I would not yeah. be expecting that at all. And so then from Seattle, you probably just said it, but I have a terrible memory. What brought you down to LA? So it was the combination of the work leaving um, Seattle to go to Vancouver. And okay. uh, also just saying, you know what? I didn't want to look back and say, I should have gone to LA. It's mm-hmm. Regardless of the level of success you have, I think if you're in a position to just go for it, go for it because you're going to learn a lot. It's going to, uh, it's just going to be beneficial regardless of the outcome. And, um, you know, being in a big city, being in a place where everything is competitive from your, you know, the type of car you drive, mm-hmm. where you're standing in the Starbucks line, everything's competitive at the same time, trying to keep that humanity and be storytellers and creatives. And that's that mix of business and creative, and that's really what we all need to kind of balance is um, show business as well. Yeah, you know what? I I, um, I I say that to people all the time. Like, it's one of those things like, well, you can think about it, think about it, think about it, but we only have one shot at this life, and the last thing you want to do is be 96 years old and wishing that you would have at least tried. At least try, yeah. go to L.A., because everybody has a different experience. So what happened for me is going to be different for you and everyone's goals are different. So I, I always encourage people, like if you think that you're ready and your materials are there and you know, it's going to be a challenge, go, go test it out, go try. Yeah. And you know, I, I know people who they, they just felt like, Hey, they were working here for regularly, but just had to give it that shot. And that's the other thing too. You can always come home, mm-hmm. right? You can always come home. Um, so there's, there's no shame in that either. Um, because our business is all about taking risks and, and going big and, and sometimes you're going to swing and miss and sometimes you're not. Yeah. It's so true. And when you were, when your wife got into uh, nursing school and you had to go from LA to New Mexico, how was that? How was that for you? Did you have this feeling of excitement to try a new market? Cause you said Albuquerque hadn't quite explored yet, or was it like sadness? Like what were so, your feelings? It, yeah, that's that's a really good question. There was a, there was a couple things in play. Um, I was in LA and it felt like I was just kind of treading water. You know, mm-hmm. like you'd have a little progress and then you'd stay there for a little bit and you have a little progress. And I was uh, Bill Mars stand-in for eight seasons on Real Time with Bill Maher. Wow. And so I was always around like politicians and super movie stars and all those things. And I was always kind of having access, but not get, being able to capitalize on that to mm-hmm. get a to up, upgrade an agent, to upgrade an audition from a one-liner to a co-star and to a guest star. And so I wasn't able to kind of use that as currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I also worked, my day job was at the Writers Guild of America West. And I was around a lot of industry That's stuff so there. cool. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, I was still, people use the term gatekeepers in LA a lot. And uh-huh. That's kind of like, how do you get past a gatekeeper, right? And so if there's five circles, I maybe could get to the to the fourth circle, uh-huh. but I was never had the access to get to the third, the second. And if you can get to the third or the second, you can probably get to the first, right? It's mm-hmm. just kind of that 
um, thing. So on the one hand, I loved the food in LA. I loved the beach in LA. Um, I loved doing the industry stuff and being around it. And I loved all of that, but it wasn't getting me to a point where I was satisfied acting wise theater. You most theater companies, you have to pay to be a member of a company yeah. with no guarantee that you'll get cast in a season. It's so you know? strange. So yeah, it is strange. It's a different beast. So those things were kind of all uh, juggling, but um, my wife who grew up here, um, her godmother is actually Kathy Brink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. my wife is, is best friends with Kathy's daughter. Okay. Um, and I knew Kathy for three or four years before I knew she was a casting director. She knew I was an actor, mm-hmm. but I didn't know she was a casting director, which is probably a good thing. Um, I was gonna say, that's probably smart. But once we said, hey, we're moving, Kathy said, well, Mark, we have some great agents here. Uh, I would love you to interview with them and I'll, I will get you an interview. Um, and so I interviewed and I signed with the O agency and came out. So that was a that was a really good sign. And I signed right before I moved. So I got a few auditions in LA for shows that were shooting here mm. in New Mexico. So it was kind of like already the opportunities were, were kind of starting to change. My last year in LA, I think I had nine auditions. Mm-hmm. And in my first year here in New Mexico, I had 15. Wow. So you could just sense that, that shift and, once I had three auditions in one month, which we all know was like kind of like hitting the lottery in some ways. I mean, mm-hmm. in LA, you can, yes, have an audition every day. Um, but it was such a reassuring that I was making the right move. Right. Yeah. I was reading for things that I wouldn't be reading for in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the access to that. Um, as anyone who knows who goes to a union uh, project, there's a sign in sheet and there's 50 names on a sheet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went to my first audition in L.A., and it was for a non-speaking Budweiser commercial. And it was open to everybody, men, women, everyone. So, but I went in, I went in at 11, and I remember going, oh, 11, that's pretty early. And they were already on sheet nine. Yeah, it's bananas. On the and my first audition here in New Mexico, I went three in the afternoon, and I was the 10th name. That's crazy. On the list. Right. So automatically I was like, okay, so we're getting opportunities for bigger things. And now that's changing. There are more and more names being added per thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good problem to have. Yeah. You're actually, everything you said sounded exactly like my story of when I was in LA, like my last year before, cause I live in Las Vegas right now. And which is uh-huh. why I'm able to go back and forth to LA, back and forth to Arizona, back and forth to New Mexico. I had, I'm I'm not exaggerating. I had maybe three auditions that entire past year. Couldn't get representation, Uh which is, we all know my struggle. I talk about that often, but, um, I got representation here in Vegas before I even moved. And I was like, what? I booked my very, my very first audition. I went out here, I booked it. And I was like, oh, well, okay, this is quite nice. I could get used to this. So I I completely understand all of that. Yeah. You know, you're a new face and you actually have the access that you're, you know, know, instead of being on the fourth circle, now you're on the second for your market. Yeah. And exactly everything you just said, because I was like, you know what? And I think the reason why I was able to get so far ahead here so quickly is because I had already put in the work in LA. Like I already knew headshots, resumes. I knew where to stand. I knew 
I had more knowledge than people who were here in the local market just starting out. So it was a little bit of an advantage to kind of push me ahead there. And so, um, I'm glad I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm like, I have so many questions and I have, um, I have a couple friends who are kind of targeting that New Mexico market. And I feel a lot of people are right now, especially with, um, you have NBC universal there and you also have Uh Netflix there. And of course, um, tons of independent filmmakers, what's going on in New Mexico? Like, you know, it's, we're really, really lucky in the sense that it's almost like what isn't going on right um mm-hmm. right as the end of the year was going down and this is uh at one point we had 12 productions going um i would say from like you know august september until things kind of shut down for covid yeah. over the holidays yeah i mean not only do we have nbc universal and netflix but you know like sony television and nbc have been here you know sony with the breaking bad and better call Saul, which is also amc right that's their mm-hmm. partnership uh, and so things like the night shift, um, uh, we have, you know, we, um, Tristan Wig did a movie here. Uh, right. So now all of a sudden that was moved from Florida and they came here, um, or Georgia, I think it was Georgia actually. And they moved here. So as our infrastructure has been building and our crew base is building, that's what was our, our hiccup early on was we had, more productions than we had crew members for. I heard and about that. And so that was kind of a, a log jam because they couldn't crew things or they were having to bring so many crew members from LA that they were, it was kind of negating the cost of the incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, but as this has built and with Netflix's commitment, I mean, their most recent, you know, additional billion dollars is, you know, up to 10 sound stages. They're going to have a commissary. They're going to have post-production. Oh my gosh. Um, and that's not even talking about what NBC Universal's probably got planned. And there have been rumors of, you know, getting two or three more partners having similar deals here. You know, COVID changes timelines, but the land is still cheap here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have incentives. We still have amazing sunshine, 300 days a year and all those things and a growing crew base. Um, and as as is expected, we are getting a growing talent base but we're also getting more agents. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have some growing pains, uh, but things are, um, anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you've heard me talk before, you know what I'm about to say. I'm going to say, I like my one, three and five year plan. That's kind of like my mantra. Mm-hmm. And it kind of comes from talking to people in Georgia when work started kind of exploding and they had incentives. And the actors who were in that market, when it first started out, didn't see much of a change. They were still going Mm -hmm. out for the one-liners and all those things. But by year three, it was co-stars, reoccurring, guest stars. And year five, they were going out for top five on the call sheet, right? So as a market grows and new casting people come in or they get to know your market, they start to trust the market more and start to look local versus a casting director who's based in LA has got a relationship with LA talent and they mm-hmm. know those folks. So like, I know I can count on actor a from Los Angeles cause I've worked with him. Mm-hmm. They don't know actor a who's from New Mexico. Right so now, as they start to do more projects here and they're trying to find local, they'll start to get to know us and they'll be like, Oh, actor Ray from New Mexico. Remember he did that little five liner for us as the barista. Why don't we bring him in for a, for a guest star or maybe a reoccurring because they know us. So 
will be building relationships. Yeah. And actors in this market, don't despair. We already have relationships with our local casting directors as well. Right. So that gives us an advantage. They know us. So as they get to cast bigger roles, they're going to start with us. I I like that. And I, I hope that's uh really the case because I'm always hearing stories and I know it happens here for sure like we have a really big talent pool it's actually quite surprising a lot of us because it's four hours away we go back and forth to LA all the time for headshots for training yet we have sometimes big commercials big productions come and they're still hiring from LA and we're all sitting here like hello like we're here we're ready to work so it's it's good to hear that I mean, it's still going to happen that way, I think, for a little while until, like you said, everything progresses um, to hire local, which I think would be really appreciative for all the actors there and that are going to be moving there as well. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing about COVID is we're going to have a content gap at some point where mm -hmm. production has just used everything in their vaults and everything is is just tied up. So there's going to be this gap and we're still going to have a start and stop year this year. But... But then we're going to have an explosion. I keep hearing that. Because the, the vaccine will start to come out. And it might be another eight months, a year away. But then we will probably have a non-stop explosion. And if, and if by then Netflix has four additional sound stages uh, built, maybe that's seven additional projects that we couldn't get uh, this time now, right? So Are they actively still building now? Like, like construction building 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 yeah there's currently six there's six um sound stages mm -hmm. on a on the Albuquerque lot and i think they want to add up to i'm not sure if it's up to 10 more or up to four more to add 10 but they bought something like you know three thousand acres and they're doing like i said the post-production and all those things so they're bringing things here so that like from pre-production to post-production a project that shoots in new mexico could be completely produced in New Mexico and they can take advantage of the incentives. Mm -hmm. Speaking of incentives, um, does that, does that go along for actors as well? Um, cause we talked about, um, hiring local Do the, do you know if their productions get certain incentives for hiring actors so as well? Productions get an additional, I think it's 5% bump if they hire a local crew. And that means residency here, driver's license, paying taxes here, and all those things. Mm -hmm. There's no additional bump for local actors. Okay. But, you know, the film incentives and the, and, um, the current bill, the current law, SB2, is a three-year, usually they're every like three to five years. So uh, as things go and the economies get back on track, um, I can't see that that, that would say never say never. So mm -hmm. those are the things that you try to taken advantage of an opening if there is one to, to kind of fight for that. But the advantage we do have is, Hassan, you're in, in Nevada, so you would have to pay for, they have to pay airfare and hotel, mm -hmm. right, for you. Uh, for me, they don't have to pay that cost. So that does give me that little, well, it might not give them 30% back on my work. Mm -hmm. It gives them that same 25% and they don't have to pay for all the extra stuff. And if I they see. change my costume fitting from Wednesday to Tuesday, I can drop that. But if you were planning to fly out on Tuesday to shoot on Wednesday and they change it, now you're scrambling and they have to change their production schedule because you're flying in. So there's little things like that that, mm -hmm. that gives the local talent. Um, plus, we have a lot of really good talent that's getting noticed. I, I agree. There's, I mean, you guys got a lot going on there. And so how would that really work? Because someone like myself, um, I don't care. 
I don't care if I have to spend a ton of money. I don't care if I'm not going to make money. I just want to get the credits. And I don't know if this is the best thing to say, but I've kind of always heard like, why don't you just get a mailing address and then work as a local hire, pay my way. Would that still, I mean, uh, it works for me, but what about production wise? Yeah, it really doesn't. It's kind of like a, almost like an urban myth because what happens is um, your taxes are going to go to your main address. And um, and if they say, hey, we just sent the, your 1099 to Las Vegas. Oh, now we've got to pay Las Vegas. Like it's going to cost production money. Okay. So um, it, the way I mean, people have talked about being a local hire. If you're a local hire, that means you're you're saying I will put myself up, mm -hmm. I will you know pay for all my expenses, and again I could lose money or break even, but I'll I'll put up that and you you give me the day's work. With COVID, and with work expanding so fast, and for instance, the Tom Hanks movie uh, News of the World, mm. they didn't want to look at any actors outside of New Mexico because their shooting schedule was so complex and so big yeah. that. Uh, literally, I know an actor who's like, oh, I don't work until November. And then they're like, oh, no, actually, now you work in three days, right? <laughs> Surprise. Because the, those things changed and that production was so big, they could easily do that. Um, so they didn't want to have that hassle. Like, oh, there's an actor in Denver and we, we said we're going to shoot on Wednesday and now we're shooting on Monday, but he can't drive down. Mm -hmm. Going to give the role to someone else. And I think that would be the worst part. Yeah. Right. I'm almost wondering, like, do you remember when, like, pilot season used to be, like, pilot season and people would, like, go out to New York or L.A. for a couple months at a time and then go back home uh, during the off seasons? Right. I wonder if that would be a thing that would sort of work to people who don't want to permanently go out there. Maybe. But the other advantage we do have, be again, because of COVID, one of the silver linings is now there's no auditions in person. It's self-tape or an eco-cast, mm. right? So you can be based anywhere. I mean, some of my Denver actor friends, it was like, oh, I got to come down on a Tuesday by 11 for a for an audition. Mm -hmm. And then I've got to stick around a day to see if there's a callback. But if callbacks are next week, then I got to drive home, right? It's all, all those things. But now that it's a self-tape, they'll be like, hey, you have an eco-cast callback or it's an eco-cast audition no matter where you are. Then, if you know the shooting dates, you can kind of start tentatively planning. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an advantage. You can be based anywhere now because casting is taking tapes and doing things virtually. Yeah, you know what? I actually just did a co-star work with Cope. Ooh, sometimes I don't know how to speak. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry, you just had a stroke. Yeah, I hope you're okay. <laughs> I have a lot of those on this show, but I just did a co-star workshop. That's what I was trying to say with. Um, Romani, uh -huh. oh gosh, I don't even know her last name, Leah, maybe something else, but she's a, she's a casting director in LA. And what actually she was saying, and I, I kind of hope that um, it goes for the rest of the country, but they were, you know, they're casting co-stars, guest stars, maybe not so guest stars, but co-stars. They're like, you know what? We really like this self-tape idea. I, I hope that we can stay doing self-tapes for co-stars throughout times because you know especially in LA like going from the west side to North Hollywood is like mm -hmm. an all-day event just to go and say hi how you doing and that's your audition she's like you know what mm -hmm. um you know we are having a lot of success doing zoom chemistry reads auditions callbacks she goes you know honestly it'd be really great if we can just keep doing this and I I mean me being far away and a lot of other actors as well I think that'd be 
really great to keep doing self-tapes, especially for the smaller roles. I, I'm sure we will. I'm I'm sure we will. I think that's that's a, the saving grace saves them office space costs and all of those yeah. things. Um, so there's there's a lot of a plus about it. And, uh, you know, I, I miss being in the room, especially for a callback, because you kind of get that energy and mm-hmm. you get the vibe. And um, But yet the other side of that is, hey, maybe you get a self-tape request. And now instead of having 24 or 48 hours, you usually have 36 or 72 mm-hmm. hours. So you can really work on that before you submit it. So when you're submitting, you have the opportunity to submit your best work because you've got a quicker, you know, and you can do as many takes as you want at home until you get the one you want. Yeah. It's one of those like love hate things. Cause I mean, setting up, setting up for me is easy. Cause I, I have access to so much stuff, but some it's, it's really difficult for a lot of people, especially if they have roommates, dogs, pets, neighbors downstairs oh, doing nice. construction. You're just like, Oh my God, shut up. I can't do my audition. So it's, it's a love hate. I agree. You can do it 3000 times and make sure you like really like it. Or sometimes just finding a reader is like, I'm going to pull my hair out. I can't find a reader. It's 11 yeah, o'clock at you night. Know, the, the FaceTime readers and there is, a, there are service and I can't remember the name of it. And if I think of it, I'll email and you can get it out. But there's, we transfer. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, we, we audition. We audition. Yeah. them. There's certainly options, but it's, it, you know, even self-tape, it's nice to have a reader in the room yeah. with you. I miss those days too. And speaking of We Audition, I do kind of want to give you guys a little bit of a rundown of like what exactly We Audition is. So it's this website. Um, they are a UK-based company, um, but of course it's open obviously to everybody. And if you're looking for a reader or your friends are busy and you just can't find anybody, you can go on We Audition and look for um, for readers. Some people have either a small fee or they're just reciprocating the favor um, and they will read for free for you. It is a subscription-based service. So the good thing, I actually have a code for you guys, which is acting up 25 and that will get you 25% off your membership, which is awesome. And so you can go on there, you can find readers. And the great thing is like, If you're looking for someone to be your grandpa in the scene and you only have your best friend, Ashley, you can actually find someone who sort of fits the demographic a little bit better, which I think is always an easier option. And I'm over here browsing the site and it's really cool. They have like industry advice, actor meditations, and even for those looking to like network a little bit, they have auditions and generals, a lot of uh, UK stuff, but I'm also looking, it looks like we just had um, meet and greets for, what is this, Chris Giovanni at CGM, talent reps in Florida, a whole bunch of really cool things on this site. So next time you are looking for a reader, Definitely head over to We Audition, uh, type in my code, you'll get that 25% off and you'll save a lot of time and a lot of stress searching for those readers. I agree, nothing is better than being in the room, but since we're all still quarantining, this is definitely the next best thing. So what are you guys doing um, for COVID? Uh, Our governor has been very um, proactive from the get go. And we've been just very, you know, like we've, like everyone else, we've had our spikes, but we've just had a couple days in a row where we've had under a thousand cases, which is still like, if you say 800, Oh, that's not so bad because it's not 2,700, 800 is still bad. Um, but early on, our governor was handling this so well that we had productions that were in other locations and weren't pleased with how their current locations leadership was dealing with it. So they pulled out of there and came here. Um, Film workers here have been deemed essential. So 
that's the thing that oh. eliminates uh, quarantining, right? For two weeks and 10 days mm-hmm. and all those things. And you have work. Um, so the, the state and the film office, both the um, state film office and the Albuquerque film office have been very proactive. Uh, they have embraced all the union guidelines, also come up with their own guidelines called Back to One. Um, and just being incredibly proactive. Um, and um, because we're small too, it's like, Oh yeah, we can. We have a hotel that you can put your whole crew for a week if you need you to quarantine and and that kind of thing too. So that's kind of awesome. And so I know uh, obviously using local actors local actors is the ideal. I had a friend. Uh, I was like, I'm I'm interviewing uh, my friend Mark today. Let me know if you have any questions for for like people coming into town. Is it more closed off, especially right now due to COVID? Like, is it like we're only doing local talent, um, or can everybody still come in? Everyone can still come in. Again, if you're coming from another state or whatever, you're still asked to quarantine, right? Just the natural natural protocols. The mm-hmm. the biggest hurdle right now is that a lot of our agents aren't taking new talent simply because there hasn't been a work because of COVID for their current rosters, right? I don't want to sign another actor when I've got five actors for the same type that haven't been able to work because of COVID. My goal is to get my current clients work. Right. So that's one hurdle. The other hurdle is we have so many actors here, but not enough talent representation to balance that out. You know, Agents don't want to have three or 400 clients because they don't have a support staff. It's just that. That's a lot. So, yeah. Um, so, um, but as we get more agencies, um, those things will kind of mitigate themselves. And as people come in and, for instance, if there's a new agent or say, oh, God, there's more agents than some of our established agents do an overturn on their roster, they'll feel like some of those actors will find homes with the new agents coming in. Mm-hmm. Um they'll start to kind of replenish uh, their their rosters. And, you know, your resume, how prepared you are, all those things that make us professional regardless of your market right. will be noticed. And it's not like they're going to say, oh, my gosh, this person's got four guest stars, but they're in L.A. There's no way I'm representing them because I don't have room. <laughs> right. Right. They're going to be like, well, that's pretty awesome. I, well, I'll find a way to make this work. Yeah. You know, because um, I was mentioning, I know, like, I think everybody kind of has their eye on Albuquerque right now. And they're like, I just can't get in. I just can't get in. And uh, there are five different agencies currently in Albuquerque that are SAG. Do you know of any other agencies that may be popping up in the future? Uh, I, c- I can't give specifics. Yeah. But, um, and also, too, as on the board, it all goes through national. And like when if someone applies for some paperwork, they don't tell us about it, but oh. if they pass the kind of initial vetting period, mm-hmm. then we're like, okay, we think this they're interested. Now, we have a committee on our board of called the professional reps. They would they would have an interview or they would go visit a space. They would do those sorts of things. So uh, I do know that there's paperwork t- coming down the pipe for at least one agency. I don't know if that means there's five or six right. coming down the line. Um but just like everything, as more actors come, eventually more casting people are going to come yeah. and then more agents, right? Because the, uh, um, and there'll be more other great benefits. There'll be more photographers. There'll be more class opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those things that we want to be creative and remain creative and remain uh, business professionals, keeping on top of our craft and updating our headshots, all that. And, and, you know, sometimes an agent's like, I just 
I want to, I need a break from you too. Not necessarily <laughs> us needing a break from them. We'd have a place to land. Yeah. Um, and you know, New Mexico, when I first came here, it was so different from LA with everything being a competition. And mm-hmm. I came here for an audition and, and I signed in and I didn't have my phone on. And I was like, Oh, what time is it to sign out? And three people were like, Oh, it's three Oh five. And I was like, this would never happen in LA. <laughs> uh, and that's how I met uh, one of my really dear uh, actor friends, Rob Toady, who's uh, was one of the first to kind of welcome me here. And that vibe has still stayed in New Mexico. I mean, I think what makes it different is Kathleen, if you and I go in for the same role, mm-hmm. I want to beat you in the room. Yeah. Right. I want to get that part. Mm-hmm. But if I don't get it, you better yeah, get I it. Yeah, I want you right? to get so, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not gone to, you know, LA or New York or Chicago or Dallas. Right. So that sense of community is still strong. It's still healthy competition for the work. Yeah. But it's a bigger support for those who book the work. So uh, it makes it, it's, it's a different kind of competition. This is uh, a market where you can meet your peers. In LA, I had a hard time meeting active friends because it was just, I, you know, just another one of us, another one of us. I, I completely relate to that. I, I feel the exact same way. I feel like there's this thing about smaller markets of like, well, I didn't get it, but did you get it? Did you get it? Especially like we want our community here to get it as opposed to going to a bigger market. I, I completely get that. Yeah. And just as often as I say one, three and five year plan, I also say, I really hope that when we hit year five, that we haven't become a bigger market where it's like, oh, welcome to New Mexico, Kaysen. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, it's, where it's not like, hey, welcome. It's so cool. I saw your podcast. I, you know, I, that vibe I want to keep. And I'm afraid that I don't want us to to lose one of the endearing qualities that we have about the talent pool here. You know what? Um, actually, I was I was going to mention, and you kind of just said it, that was one of the things that inspired me to talk to you because I felt so welcomed and I felt so comfortable talking to you. I think you're a very personable, likable person, but also you're very welcoming. So I didn't feel intimidated. I didn't feel like, oh my God, he doesn't want to talk to me. I'm not good enough. Like it was a welcoming sort of feeling, which I was like, ah, oh, thank you. Well, thank so you. Nice. And, and, and I love it because that's how it was paid, paid forward to me to begin with. So I really try to keep that. And at the end of the day, we're all just trying to be creative and tell the stories, the human condition. And no one gets the struggle of an actor than another actor. I like your friends agree. and family and spouses and partners can all be supportive. Mm-hmm. But they still can't always wrap their head around a 30-second interview that if you get, you might make $1,000 a day right. or you may never hear, right? It, there's just that mindset and all the, all the things that we go through to prep and did I have a bad – did I blow it? Did I, am I good? Can I, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff, you and I get it and our friends and peers get it. And uh, that's really important to have that support group. And so by being negative, being competitive – that eliminates the mutual understanding where we can celebrate our losses together and celebrate our victories together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that sort of um, negativity and competitiveness is, it's like a virus. It's, it's contagious and it just starts to spread and you're like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. I think um, anyone who's been in a big market has been in that audition room where there's just that guy's like, or that person, I should say, who's like, I've been in their office 10 times and they've never cast me. Right. But you know what? You're in their office for the 11th time. So they like you. That's a, that's a good sign. If they keep bringing you in, there's, that's for a good reason. I understand that you haven't, you haven't booked, but 99% of this room right now isn't going to book. And so Mm -hmm. 
if it can be like, well, we gave it a good shot. Should we go grab a coffee and talk about how wonderful or terrible we were? That's something that's different. You know, it's cool, especially now with social media and everyone's at home. A lot of casting directors um, sometimes post what it looks like, um, like how many submissions come in for the role versus how, how many are getting called in. And we all know how many are going to book it. So once you see that number, like it's insane. Like sometimes it could be like on the low end, like a thousand up to like 5,000 actors submitting for one job. And so you're just yeah. like, okay, wow. It, it's true. The getting the audition is a big one. It's huge. huge. Yeah. That, and that, that's a great point that you're bringing is we don't remind ourselves of our victories enough. No, we don't. So I always say back when I was in Denver, I, I did do a commercial when I was in high school and one of my good friends, her, their dad was a spokesperson for a local bank and a sag after actor. And he made his living in Denver as an actor. And he said, every time you book a job, you should put some away for your career and mm -hmm. treat yourself to something because getting a job is hard. And I've kind of extrapolated that to be like, you get an audition, you know, make that, make that grande a venti. Right. <laughs> uh, and then if you get the call back, breakfast is out. And then if you book it, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. those victories seem so far apart, but if you look yeah. at it like, Oh my gosh, I was, I'm so grateful to have an audition. Remind yeah. yourself that. Yeah. And then I'm so grateful to get a call back or to be pinned. And then if you mm -hmm. book, great, but if you don't, you still have beaten so many odds and gotten through so many doors that you can't negate that because you didn't get the final booking. Yeah, that's actually a huge reason why I started this podcast. Um, I mean, I had a blog that I very similar to this like six years ago, but sometimes we lose perspective because we're so wrapped up in this. And then looking back, you're like, oh my God, I did that. I did that. I booked that. I, I, I worked on this project and it was really cool to see. Um, great. And can you, can you clarify? Um, I know we're kind of going back a little bit to representation okay. a little bit. And I feel like if anyone were to know this, it be you. Uh, yeah, no pressure. Um, <laughs> there's this um, uh, certain thing about smaller markets. And I know for representation, especially with SAG, you should never pay anything. You know, your agents take 10%. But is there a slight uh, amount that agencies can charge for websites or whatever in New Mexico? Um, yeah, you know, anyone who's franchised is set to a certain criteria, and sometimes there's franchise rules that are specific to a market. For instance, mm -hmm. when our market was up and running, um, but it wasn't a ton of work, we it's in, in our bylaws that basically says, if I sign with an agency here in New Mexico, they can charge me a one-time $40 fee to get my materials up on their website. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a one time fee. But if you're in L.A. where your client turnover is high and you've got higher clients and you need more data, the, some agencies have the flexibility to make it an annual fee or a different fee or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, but that that they're allowed to charge for. But they can't take uh, they can't recommend photography. You know, they can't say you have to go to a certain photographer. They can say, mm -hmm. here's a list of photographers. Um, so there's some guidelines there. But in New Mexico, it's a one time forty dollar fee. Okay. Could it be more than $40 or $40 is it? Do not take anything more than $40. If you are a franchise, this is, this is always the, the wiggle room arguments like, well, that actor is not union, so I can charge them more. Mm -hmm. um, we had an agency that's no longer here that was like, 
sidestepping that by saying they're signing you as a model and models aren't covered under SAG-AFTRA. So what? therefore we can charge you X amount of dollars. But if you're a franchise, you have to play, apply those rules to all your actors mm-hmm. equally. So, you know, if it's your first day on a SAG-AFTRA set and it's my third day, you and I sign the same contract. You might not be an M member. It might make you eligible, but the contract in that production covers us all under that contract. And it's sort okay. of the same thing with the agency. You're representing actors, so you have to apply those rules to the actors the same, regardless of union status. Mm-hmm. The one little caveat is agents can take 20% on non-union That was work. my next question. Yeah. <laughs> so non-union work of all kinds, whether it's web series, internet, uh, web, internet, print, whatever, they can still for non-union. Yeah. And if you're doing something that's like a deferred, but if you're getting something that's like a deferred pay or, yeah. you know, a hundred dollars a day, I, I would hope that your agent wouldn't, you know, take 20 of your a hundred dollars, you know, of your, of your aid that you're going to clear. Right. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, but okay. if you get a, if you did a non-union commercial and they paid you $2,000, the agency fee may pay some of that fee, but you should plan on being dinged 20%. And then um, just really quick, it's not required for them to charge the $40. Like you can still be a part of their agency without paying it. Or is it one of those like, A, you have to do it or another great B, question. see you later. Another great question, actually, yeah. because <laughs> there was an agency that was like, we want to represent you in three markets. And they were like, well, I only want to be represented in New Mexico. And they're like, oh, well, then we're not going to represent you, right? Because they were trying to get a, a, a web fee for each market. No. And each market was different. And it was like, no, I, I don't want to do that. So um, yeah, I lost my train, my train of thought. But yeah, I mean, technically, they whether you're union or not, they should – if, if you decide you don't want to be on the website, mm-hmm. that's fine in your prerogative, and that shouldn't affect your representation. Cool. But that means you better have an up-to-date Actors Access account. Mm-hmm. And if you've gotten at least three or four credits you better, that are uh, union credits, make sure those are on IMDb, that kind of thing. Right. But no agent can come in and say you have to. But as talent, if someone does go to the site, you don't want them to be like, I couldn't find you. Right. Okay. Right. Because if you have a business card and you have your representation on that business card, if they go, oh, this is – they're with the O agency. I'm going to go look. And they're like, huh, are they really with the O agency? I see. Because they're not on the website. So there's there's some nuance there too, but they can't demand it. That's so interesting because you – I mean you really have a lot of things to think about like pros, cons. And a conversation I had with a friend as well is agents work so hard and they don't get paid until you book a job. So there's – that fee that you're taking for the website that, you know, doesn't come out of their pockets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's any representation, it should be a team, mm-hmm. right. And they are representing you in their, your best light. And that's why we as actors need to make sure that we do have an action, an actor's access and mm-hmm. IMDb pro and that we, we do have current headshots. And I know that we get nickel and dimes together classes and it's uploads. A and it's you, a lot sometimes. It, it, you know, just like the agents are getting paid until we book, sometimes we don't have enough disposable income to maintain that. So it's just really that fine, that fine line. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, goodness gracious, it is a lot sometimes. And I have another question from a friend. And I don't, I, yeah. I know this is probably something you're going to be like, oh, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask. She was curious if you would share your feelings on union people doing 
non-union work and the penalties, their thoughts on FICOR? Yeah, that's really a, <laughs> that's really a dicey subject in the yeah. sense that even if you explain it in a way that the way, the way it's detrimental, it can still be construed as something as positive to do. So um, there's a whole course that the that union members have access to on what that means oh. uh, and doing those things. Um, so I always I will defer to the union staff, and you can they can uh, you know sagafter.org is a website that's open to anyone whether you're a member or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will always say this: um, people who are FICOR, you cannot put SAG-AFTRA on your resume. Right. Okay. Because you are a dues paying non-member and you can get continually fined. Wow. Um, if you do that, because that's misrepresentation. So if you want that card so badly, mm-hmm. then you should, you know, you should work under that card. Those contracts are there for everyone. Uh, there is, you, you know, all those things. Is, it's it's our collective bargaining and collective power that gives us those contracts and that, that strength when we negotiate with the producers. Right. So why would you want to undermine that? Right. Uh, that's that's part of it. And there's other thing, too, especially if you're in L.A., there are so many pro-union productions mm-hmm. that they will if they see that they will not call you in. Yeah. You know, I never even thought so, about that. I never even thought about some of those things. Like even if you go, I mean, I'm still non-union. I'm eligible, but I'm non-union. I, I've never even thought about it. If you are FICOR, then you can't even say you're part of the union because you're not. Like you can't list it on your resume. Right. Like I never even thought about that. So that's good. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's things like, you know, you can't run for You can't be, uh, be on, on a board. You, you know, it's, you don't get the screeners. You don't get all the fun stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, so um, and it also is kind of saying, hey, I know this union's built on the back of our brothers and sisters, but it doesn't account to me. And, you know, it's kind of like COVID. We're all in this together. If we wash our hands, wear our masks, social distance and for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And I also say don't join the union until you are a must join. Yeah. I always tell people if you're doing non-union work, good for you. But set some of that aside for your union dues for mm-hmm. when you have to join. So in New Mexico, it's $1,005 to join. That's uh, I think amazing. it's 3000 yeah, I think in LA it's thirty two hundred ish. Wow. Um, so, uh, and then your dues after that is based on your income. Mm-hmm. But if you make three hundred dollars on, you know, five, you know, per job, and you do five jobs, take some of that away so that when the when you hit your time where you're a must join with the union, you've got that dues ready to go, and you can just join. Mm. You can just go in because that's a business investment. It's an investment in your professionalism and your future. Um, so why not? Why not do that and keep building that resume? I always say, hold out. Yeah, hold out until you can join. I, I joined too soon. I got I got advice saying you should just join right away, and I did, and it kind of hurt me because they looked at my resume and was like, right. Well, I see he's got two things, and he's already. You remember why didn't he? You know, and it kept me from doing things like student films because they didn't have the contract then, and all of that. So. Um, if you want to be a professional actor and either say, Hey, I'm going to be a professional actor without the union and that's allowed. But if you're going to work under those union contracts and that's something that you want, why would you then say it's so important to me, but I'm going to undermine it. Right. Um, and how does that, how would that work? Cause I had no idea. You mentioned like the fees and I know it's expensive in LA and New Mexico. If somebody wanted to, if you are a must join and you join in Albuquerque, I guess you can work everywhere so still. Nope. No. That's the catch. Okay. So the dues breakdown is based on the 
contract amount and all those things on the number of members in your market. So let's say you come to New Mexico Mm -hmm. and you book and you work and you join in New Mexico. So you've paid your thousand dollars. All of a sudden you book something in Los Angeles before you can work on that Los Angeles set. You have to pay the difference between the market you joined and the market you're going to be working in. Mm. So it, that would be you know $2,000 difference. So you have to have that before I you can see. take that job in that market. The other side of that is, for instance, for me, when I joined in 95, I joined in Seattle. By the time I came to New Mexico and to Los Angeles, the, the difference, be, like it was only, it was $1,000 in Los Angeles. So when you book there, I only had to pay $300. Hey, that's great. Right. It's the difference. It's the difference in amount from the year that you joined. Okay. So if you joined SAG-AFTRA in 2020 and then uh, you booked something in L.A. in 2030, whenever the dues rate in L.A. was in 2020, you would pay that difference. Hmm. Okay. So, but, yeah, it doesn't – Otherwise, and some people in New Mexico, we have a few that had just went ahead and ju- – did the full out $3,200 because they're like, I, if I have it right now, I can do it and I can work anywhere and I have to worry about it. So two schools of thought. Yeah, that's super fast. I'm so glad I got to ask you these questions. Like, cause there's yeah. things that like I've thought about over time and I just, I never had clarity on it. And honestly, like I know Google's a great thing and I know there's websites, but sometimes it's just really nice to ask a, a real human person. So that's fascinating. Yeah, and uh, that's how I've learned so much is just, you know, asking people and you're like, oh, because that's how we start our own urban legends, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's like the bad game of telephone. Um, you know, if all of a sudden you're like, oh, I heard it from a friend whose hairdresser worked on this thing and it's this, and you're like, that's not it at all. Um, yeah, you hear a lot of different things. Yeah, and, you know, I, I always say too, if I don't know the answer, I will either try to find it or I might know someone who does. And mm-hmm. then I'll be like, that's a good question. I need to know the answer to that too. So the more you know. Yeah. And obviously, you know so, so much. How did you How did you come to be involved with working on the board at SAG-AFTRA and being the president? Like how yeah. does that even happen? I don't even – it's like, so, wow. There's a couple things. To be uh, on a board, it's all volunteer. We, didn't get, we don't get any pay. It's okay. a volunteer position. Um, and elections are every two years. Um, and I had worked on a show here in New Mexico and I was like, I feel like I worked on a set and I hadn't seen my paycheck. And I was like, I feel like I should have been paid by now. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to annoy production and I don't want to get my agent mad at me because I'm asking where my money is. Um, so I started reading the contracts online. I was like, oh no, no, they're, they're late with that. So I called my agent and said, hey, what should I do? And, and she was like, oh, I'm glad you're talking because I'm trying to deal with SAG too. I said, well, um, is there anything I can do? She said, yeah, file a claim. So <laughs> I got from the website, I got the name of the person who handled that particular show here in our market. And I said, hey, I haven't been paid. Oh, great. And they filed a claim where they're like, okay, let's we'll pull up the contract, look at the dates work, like when you pay. And they don't just take care of me. They take everyone who worked on that day, who hasn't been paid. So wow, once you yeah. file a claim, it's covered for everybody. Mm-hmm. So there does, they don't need 5,000 actors to call in. They just need one, really, mm-hmm. to get the ball rolling. Uh, which doesn't mean if you don't know actor B and he called and you called, that's okay. Um, I got more in penalty payments from this production than I did for the day's work because it was so late. But the wow. union had the checks go to them. 
and they didn't send them out until everyone had it and the amounts were correct. Hmm. And if the amounts weren't correct, that added time, which could change the fee, right? Oh uh, and sometimes production just has bad luck with a, mm-hmm. they hired the wrong payroll company. Um, they're new in production. There's, there's lots of reasons where you, you, you feel bad for them, but at the same time, you said, this is my contract and this is how much I get paid. And this is the timeline in which I get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got really fired up that I started learning more about the contracts. And so then I was like, you know, I've never been to one of my membership meetings. So I went and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Other actors and we're talking about stuff. And, and then when elections came up, I had a couple actor friends that I knew. And they're like, well, Mark, you should consider running. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to run just because I got fired up with the contract thing. And uh, I think New Mexico is growing. So I really want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after being on the board for two years, I ran for president. And then I won. And this is my second term. Uh, and Yay. then elections started this next year. So and any sag after member who is thinking about serving, you should try it. Be on the board. Be on a committee. Uh, it's so rewarding. Plus, you get to talk to other actors all the time, and that's yeah. great. Yeah, that, that was. That's so. The, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to do like another applause. I wish I had another one because I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, nice. Because I, I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, and, and you have so much information, so it's like. No one can try and play games with you because you know yeah, but, how things are supposed to be run. Yeah, but that's the thing too. It's all self-taught or a workshop, right? Or like going to the convention as a delegate, okay. and you're like, holy crap. I mean, this is people who are recognizable names, but they're so passionate about our business and protecting it and empowering us. Um, but all the contracts are on the website for members and learn those things. And also too, then you'll know when is the right time to pester your agent. And when's not, and when's the right mm. time to, you know, have the union step in, and when's the time you're like, oh no, I'm I'm on on this. Um, it really is just getting to know those things. And I asked so many questions of my fellow board members that that's kind of how I got my education. And there's still stuff. If I don't know, I will refer people to staff in LA because they know inside and mm-hmm. out. I mean, knowledge is power. The more you know. And um, can anyone go to these meetings? Is it just for members, or like if? A non-union member like myself, because like I'm super curious, could I just go into one of my local right. meetings? No. Okay. No. So there's two. There's some criteria. We have board meetings that are every other month, and we we've had two Zooms since COVID. So that's off too, just because less staff and mm. coordinating all those things. Uh, and that's where we do committee reports and updates like that. And then we're, we have started our communications committee in here in Mexico. We started a newsletter. Um, and then there's membership meetings. We try to have those twice a year with the, like everyone who's current with your dues, that's the big criteria, uh, is invited to these meetings. We okay. usually have a topic and then free food and mingle. So it's a combination of a working meeting and a social meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a current member, current with your dues, uh, you can come to that and we give swag away and all those sorts of things. Uh, and that's also where we get feedback of like, I'm concerned about this or how do we fix that? Or um, we don't like, we don't have enough training for senior citizen actors in New Mexico to get them to get their social media and their online accounts. Can we do a workshop? Well, let's ask if we can get some money for that. Okay. Um, We decide which film festivals we help sponsor or, uh, you know, give money to uh, things like that. So it's, it's really rewarding and an active membership is always better. Um, mm-hmm. my goal is to have people keep, 
keep coming in and volunteering because new ideas and new perspectives and younger perspectives and older perspectives. We just need the gambit. We need, we need people of color to run. Yeah. We need it all. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's communities for everyone and the entertainment industry, we have this, we are an umbrella for everyone. And I would love if our local board reflected everyone. Absolutely. Right? Uh, gosh, I, like I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you. I still have so many questions when you're like ready to go, let me know because I'm like, I got a whole list. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, we can do a few more and then I've got a, a toddler. Yeah, to I was like, I know. Um, have you actually found it being um, the president of SAG-AFTRA and getting to know so many actors? Has it actually helped your career or has it hurt? Because I don't know. I, I would say it's neutral. I would. I haven't seen an increase or decrease one way or the other. Mm -hmm. What it has done is when we had in-person auditions or I might be at you know, Trader Joe's, if people knew that I was the SAG-AFTRA president, I've certainly met more of the talent. It wasn't just my you know, inner circle friends like we all have. Mm -hmm. um, people would come up to me, are you the, yeah. And after an audition and we would talk and they'd get some information. So it, it's helped me know the community and the diversity that we have and the bunch of talent that I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you still live here, but I've seen you on X, Y, and Z, yeah. you know, it's great that you're still here, right? Um, so networking and meeting my peers has been the big thing, but it hasn't had an impact uh, on my job because here's the thing too. If I show up on set and there's a problem, I would call somebody else and they would send staff to deal with it because it's it's a conflict of interest to me to be like, okay, production, you're late with the checks, you need to get going. But National can say, hey, we've got members who are working on that that haven't been paid. And like, we let them be the heavies because our job is just to be there as an actor, mm -hmm. right? Just to show up, do our job, do the thing we love and not worry about the other stuff because that's why we pay our dues is to have staff right. to come in. Um, we have a set, a set safety guy who comes here every other week and visits every set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was curious because, um, and I had a conversation with my friend as well. She does makeup and I'm also a photographer. So sometimes people who know me as a photographer don't even know that I'm an actress. And I'm like, no, I mean, that's like my yeah. priority. And for her as well, she's like, I want to be an actor and I want to be on set, but they keep calling me in to do makeup. And she's like, I don't know if I should just stop telling people I do makeup or... I'm like, I think you just have to kind of let them know, hey, I'm also an actor. I think there's kind yeah, of goes both ways. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes I know some crew members who have been like, oh, yeah, I know that. Hey, John over there, you're on, you're also an actor, right? Yeah, come here and do this line and we'll get you a contract. And that's how you, you get in. Mm -hmm. um, and that works. Uh, on Night Shift, there was several crew people who were also sag after actors and got day player stuff because production loved them so much. Yeah. Um, so that's just another way to, to network. Um but yeah, that's just kind of a, which is the survival job and which is the dream yeah. job. And you, can you take time off from one to pursue the other? And will they, see, you know, will they see you only as a makeup person or do they see you as an actor who also does makeup? That's, mm -hmm. that's just a fine line. Yeah. And, uh, before we get to our moment of positivity here, it's how I finish every single episode. Do you have any advice for yes. anybody who, um, any actors starting out in Albuquerque or who want to head to Albuquerque, anything like must know, must do, any, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, um, pre-COVID, what I would tell anyone who was coming here to New Mexico, I would say take four or five days, get an Airbnb mm -hmm. in a neighborhood you think you might live, and pretend you're a resident. Hey, is there a, do you love Thai food? Is there a Thai food here restaurant here in New Mexico that you would like <laughs> so that if you lived here, you're not saying like, well, I love New Mexico, but they have – no Thai food, right? <laughs> if there's things that you love, if you are a surfer and that's your dream and you love it, 
maybe New Mexico's not your thing, but come here and get a lay of the land, find other neighborhoods, kind of live here and pretend, okay, cost of living is great. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the food here is good. There is fine arts. Um, I, I can have a life here, you know, there's hiking and whatever those things that make you have balance in your life, wherever you are, if you can get that balance here, then strongly consider it. But if you come here and you're like, man, it's just still too much of a small town for me. And it's, I, you know, I, I mass, they don't have enough mass transit. I'm coming from a market where I didn't have to have a car and I'd have to buy a car. Yeah. Maybe those are some things that are like, are more of a deal breaker than you think. You still have to live. You, you can audition, but you, you still, still have, have to, to live there live. too. Yeah. And I always say, don't come here without representation or a meeting for representation first, mm. because then you're here. And you're not able to go out on auditions because you don't have representation. You mm-hmm. don't really know the town. And you because you don't have representation, you're not going to ask. You're not meeting friends. Mm-hmm. Right. You're kind of in this void until you get representation and you're just kind of away from family and friends. Kind of chilling. Until you can start to start networking and those things kind of balance out. And you want to be like, hey, I'll meet friends, but I've got the agent, so at least I'll start going on auditions and I can meet people. Or I can get a sense of the thing. Right. There's that. So um Make sure you have that meeting. Um, mm-hmm. Research any agent. Mm-hmm. They We want them to look at our stuff. Make sure you know their roster. Right. Um, personalize those things. Um, that goes a long way here in New Mexico, just like we were talking about the talent in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for us, one of the things we were able to do, we were able to buy a house here. Yeah. Our mortgage is what our rent was for our one bedroom in LA. Yep. So... You know, that was a pretty good sell right off the bat for me, mm-hmm. all other things considered. Um, you know, we have a thriving theater scene here in New Mexico. So it's like, well, if I don't have an agent, but I can at least be creative, maybe that's enough to get you here mm-hmm. until you do get representation. So really research it. Just don't say, hey, it's Netflix. Yes, Netflix is here, but we don't have enough agents to handle the influx of talent. Mm-hmm. Then you're not going to go anywhere anyway. And you might as well stay where you have representation right. or have that support. Yeah, so you guys have a lot to think about before you make these decisions. Yes. And Mark, before um, we head out, I'm going to do some fun music here for a quick moment of positivity. So uh, I like to finish every episode with a little bit of positivity. The industry is hard. Life is hard, especially times right now. Um, Is there anything, a quote or something that just like really keeps you going, keeps you motivated, keeps you focused? a good story well <laughs> no no everything's <laughs> bad um the the one the great thing that has been really helpful is finding that balance right in la in the bigger markets it's only about job whether you're writing or directing or acting mm-hmm. it's only about that and coming here i was like oh i like i do like to hike yeah. Oh, I, I do want to learn how to ride a horse. And oh, this is so pretty. I think I want to read a book here. Or, you know, find those things of the balance and remind yourself that being an artist is courageous and you're brave. And we are tougher, thicker skinned than 99% That's of the people true. in the workforce because we face rejection more often than we face success. And don't let that break you down. Just be like, remind you yeah. how much of a badass you are and being able to be like, well, got mm-hmm. knocked down, got right back up again. Um, that is such an important thing. And I always tell people, do something one time a day that reminds you that you're an artist. Mm. Watch your favorite movie, read a script, 
did you get a call back for a role, but you didn't book it? Watch I the episode and see who that. did book it. Learn from it. Oh my gosh, that person mm-hmm. is seven feet tall. No wonder I didn't get it. Or, oh, they went completely hilarious and I went completely dark. I didn't know, right? Um, know those things to remind yourself like, oh yeah, I see why they got it. So that you, something that's a defeat doesn't become yeah. a defeat. It's like, oh, they made the right decision, Right. Do something that reminds you that you're a storyteller, that you're a creative. Yeah. I mean, you do your podcast. That's awesome. Do a blog. Do a podcast. Uh, I have actor friends. I have a I have a weekly. I have a bi. What well, used to be bi weekly during pre COVID, but I have a, a mm-hmm. monthly group of actors that we all meet on Zoom and we just shoot the shit. Hey, how did you have an audition? What's going on? And it's <laughs> just an hour of actor therapy where we all get it, we all celebrate, right? And all the people in the Zoom get it. We all have the same struggles and it reminds you you're not alone in this struggle. And that's that's yeah. really hard because we are isolated right now and we don't have, you know, our profession is yeah. people and congregating and hugs and high fives and all those things of like, you know, going to see theater. That's a community thing. So do those things to remind you of that and embrace your community and realize that being an artist is courageous and uh, that uh, that's the victory each day. But do something that reminds you that you're a creative two or three times a week at least. Bravo. That was great. And okay. especially being an, <laughs> being an artist, like, you're not just an actor. You're like a lot of other things too. So I, that was great. I loved it. And so if anybody um, wanted to stay in contact with you or had any questions, how could we be in communication? Be in touch. Yeah. Um, I have uh, an email address called, it's uh, newmexico.president at sagaftra.org. Okay. And then once, like once we chat and if, and if we kind of hit it off and you have other questions, then I give out my personal email a little more readily. Um, but um, you know, I'm on all the socials, you know, um, Twitter, Insta, yada. And I feel like here I am, like, oh, let me tell you, kids, Insta, you know. And I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, my you know my DMs and all that are always open. Um, so mm-hmm. don't hesitate to use those those things either. Um, I want to keep that New Mexico thing of paying it forward and welcoming everybody. So I appreciate um, that. No question is dumb. And sometimes I get going down a rabbit hole and I forgot. I started with the question and I never gave an answer. So if there was something that I missed, because I just love hearing my own voice. We all do. Yeah, You know, email me, DM me. Yeah, exactly. I have a podcast. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. That's so smart. I wish I, yeah. Good for you. So yeah, do those things. Awesome. Um, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and uh, make sure I link everything and put it in the comment section below just in case uh, you're like me and you're like, what was that again? It'll be in the comment section below. <laughs> well, thanks, Mark, for joining us. Uh, I think you answered like a lot of questions I have. I'm sure I have a ton more, but that'll be for part two. And we'll go ahead and send you a bunch of emails. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Thank you so much for having me on. I just love what you're doing with your podcast and ending on positivity is exactly what we need. So kudos to you. Thank you. And thank you guys for watching. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And I will catch you next time.